You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Ross on Y. To find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. So we're looking at the good news, and um, we're going to look today at what I think is the most important bit of the good news. Not just because I'm speaking about it, but because I think it is. Um, and as I was preparing this, because um, I shared it in Hereford a few weeks ago, um, God has really spoken to me. And I've been a Christian a long time. And it's still amazing how God opens our eyes to new truths, isn't it? You know. So can I just pray? Lord, I pray that you would open our our eyes, our spiritual eyes this morning, whether we've been Christians for 50 years or for one year, or if we don't know you yet, I just pray that you would open our eyes to your word and what you want to say to us. Jesus' name, amen. So a little quote from J.I. Packer, who's a well-known theologian, preacher, writer, and he says this, You sum up the whole of the New Testament teaching in a single phrase, the revelation of the fatherhood of the Holy Creator. In the same way you sum up the whole of the New Testament, if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's Holy Father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he doesn't understand Christianity very well at all. Isn't that thought-provoking, isn't it? The fatherhood of God. So in other words, knowing that God is our father and that I'm his child, great songs this morning, um, is fundamental and probably the most important aspect of our salvation. It's foundational to every aspect of my life as a Christian. So I was thinking, when somebody who doesn't know God, if you ask them, what do you think of God? How do you picture him? You might get a number of answers. They might think he's like a Father Christmas kind of character who's up in heaven, but a bit irrelevant. Um, to us, or you might think that he's some kind of cosmic force that is powerful but not personal. You might think he's a bit of a scorekeeper. We can tip into this as well, recording our good deeds and our bad deeds and weighing weighing them up to see what we deserve. Or you might think of him as a kind of Alexa or Siri who we just tap in when we need him. But if we want to know what God is like, where do we look? We look at Jesus. Colossians 1, Jason knows this is my favorite passage. Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is the exact image of the invisible God. So when Jesus came to this earth, he came as God personified. And there was one thing that he taught about God more than any other. And what was that? that God is our Father. He mentions it 189 times. I didn't count it myself. (laughs) Write that down, Andrew. I didn't count it. I took it on good, um, what's it? But 189 times in the Gospels. 
And in the Trinity, we see God as Father, don't we? God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And at the very start of Jesus' ministry, before he'd done anything at his baptism, what does God speak from heaven and say? Does he say, this is my servant who's going to do loads of great works for me? No. Oh, this gets it. This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. He had done nothing, but he was well pleased with him because he was his son. Amazing. So when we're saved, we get to call God Father, just like Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. There's a really well-known verse, 1 John 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And it says at the beginning, see, some versions, the old versions say, behold. Now look, open your eyes. See what what God's saying here. This is incredible truth that we are so loved by God that he calls us his children. It's amazing. I know. And and again, if we've been Christians a long time, we can just get a bit blasé. He's my father. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. But it's incredible that through the death of Jesus, we can become children of God and know all the joy and hope and security that that brings. And that's my prayer this morning, that our eyes would be opened to see that in a fresh way, the incredible joy we have in knowing God as Father. It's a joy. It's good. Amen. (laughs) So how do we become children of God? Um, So we're just going to look at two aspects. Firstly, um, I won't spend so much time on this because I want to major on the second bit. But the first one is we are born into God's family. His blood runs through our veins, we sang this morning. We are born into the family of God. Um, 1 John 1, verse 9 to 13 says, I think it's John 1, anyway, he, no, 1 John 1, he, Jesus, came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And if we've been born again, that's what's happened. So by nature, as you know, we're separated from God. But when we make that decision to give our lives to God and submit to his will, the Holy Spirit does a work of new birth in our hearts. It's not, we don't do that. We say, come Lord, forgive me, I want to serve you. And then the Holy Spirit comes and does a work of new birth in our hearts and brings us into new life. It's a creative work of God that births us into God's family. Amazing. We are born again. And that term is banded around a lot, isn't it? Born again. Um, But it's true that we are born into the family of God. We get to have the most amazing father and the most amazing big brother in Jesus. His father is our father. And we have, this is amazing, we have the same access to the father as Jesus does. But we'll look at that in a bit later. 
And the second bit is we are adopted into his family. So we're born again into his family, but we're also adopted. And I just want to read a passage that has become a very special passage to me and my husband. Um, and I'll explain why in a minute. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Before he made the world, he loved us. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he, want, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. That amazing. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. And this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So this was a passage about 12 years ago now, a bit more. Um, Ash and I were wanting a family and had been trying for a long time and it wasn't happening. And that was a, that's a whole other story. Um, but God was faithful through it all. And one day... Ashley came home from work and said, Han, I've been reading Ephesians. I think we should adopt. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay, let's look at that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he, we started reading that. We started praying about it. And we started looking into the whole plan of adoption. And, you know, God brought such an excitement into our hearts. Um, and we knew almost in an instant, that this was his best plan for us, that it wasn't a second best at all. And so began our journey. And it was an incredible time of highs and lows, mainly highs. God was so faithful. If you want to talk to us, or me about it, um, I'll be happy to spend a coffee chatting about it. It's an incredible story of God's faithfulness to us. We saw God at work so incredibly in those following months, culminating in the adoption of our beautiful daughter, Ellie Mae. Um, I just want to, can we show some photos? She's not in here, else she'll get embarrassed. There we are, that's, so that's April 2011, um, when we went to court, and that was the celebration hearing, when it was declared that she was a Wellin. And it was the most amazing time. And it was, it was so funny because um, the magistrate said, so, is Ashley Welling here? And we went, yeah. And said, Hannah Welling? Yeah. And, she, and then she said, Ellie Mae Welling. She put <laughs> her hand up. And the, judge, the magistrate said, if we need any evidence, she knows who she is. That's it there. So, yes. So that, and do you want to show the other one? There she is, sat on a She's as tall as me now, but there she is. So incredible, and it was a celebration. It's a celebration, isn't it? It's a celebration day. Um, so this really, adopting in the natural, really opened our eyes to the incredible truth that we are adopted into God's family. And adoption into God's family isn't his plan B. This blows my mind as well. His plan A wasn't that he knew when he created us that we were going to sin. So his plan A wasn't that we were going to be sinless and live sinless lives and not 
and live just in communion with him and not need salvation. That was not his plan A. His plan A was creation or redemption and adoption. That was God's plan. And that's incredible. Isn't that incredible? I think it is. Um, yeah, plan A was adoption. So in the New Testament times, sonship was not just a created relationship, but it was a legal one. So when you had a child, you also adopted that child. It was a kind of legal thing you had to do. There was a legal act that took place that confirmed the son's place in that family. Likewise, as we've seen, we are born into God's family by a work of the Spirit, but we are also brought into that family by a decisive legal act on God's part. And that was the motivate. And what was the motivation for the legal act? 1 John 3 1. See the, the love the Father has for us. That was his motivation for adoption, was his love. was legally accepted into the family. They were born in the family, but there was a legal process that was taken, take place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes. So our adoption as children of God is not dependent on our performance or our suitability to fit. When we adopted Annie May, she had not done anything other than look very cute. But we hadn't, when we agreed to adopt her, we didn't know how cute she was. Um, she hadn't done anything to secure her position in our family. Our adoption of Ellie May was purely based on our love for her and our desire to bring her into our home and nurture her and give her a forever home. That was our motivation. It wasn't anything she'd done. The same for us. Amazing. So, legally, what does adoption mean? When you are adopted, it was the same in you. It's the same now. Okay. The old family ties are broken. There is no no claim on that child from the old family. When we went through our adoption training, uh, amazing lady. She was incredible. Um, and, and she said British law is one of the strongest laws as far as adoption is concerned. And it is basically saying, I gave birth to Ellie. She is my child. And the birth mum never had a child. It's as, it's as, which is a whole other thing and really devastating. We need to pray into that. But that's what adoption law states. And it's the same with us. The old has gone the new has come. All the old debts, all the obligations are cancelled. We are no longer legally bound to sin. Jesus took all our debt on the cross and nailed it there. Satan has no rights over us. We belong to God. He has no, Satan has no claim on us at all. Secondly, so the old is gone. Secondly, the new family privileges become ours. It's the same when we adopted Ellie. If we, it's 
it's probably easier to explain if we'd got other children, which we didn't, but if we had got our own children, when we adopted Ellie, she would have all the same rights as those other children. There was no, there's no distinction in any way whatsoever. Um, and it's the same. We have, uh, let me read uh, Hebrews 2, verse 11. Oh, I don't like it there. Hebrews 2, 11. Oh, I've got it here. So now Jesus and the ones he make, makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother or his sister. He's like, all right, they are me, sis. <laughs> you know, that's what it's like. How can it be? How can that be? Because Jesus perfectly mirrors the father, doesn't he? We have messed up that image big time. Jesus serves the Father in glorious obedience, and we have rebelled and messed up. So how can Jesus call us his brothers and sisters? It's only because of what he has done for us. The one who is holy makes us holy by his grace and brings us into his own family. Amazing. Just see Jesus saying, yeah, come on in, Han. <laughs> You're part of our family. Ah, the Jews rarely talked about God as their father, yet Jesus did. That was a whole culture change when he came. This unique father-son relationship is now shared with us. We can now speak to the father with the same right of access, the same intimacy, and with the same assurance as Jesus himself. Romans 8, 17 tells us that we are joint heirs, co-heirs with Christ of God's glory. We have the same rights and privileges as Jesus. Wow. So that's the old has gone, news come, that's all ours. Thirdly, adoption is a change of status. It's a declaration that God makes to us and over us. Our assurance of our, of our relationship with God, our Father, is not dependent on me. It's not dependent on us in any way. It will not change. We have been adopted. And I find that hard to understand sometimes, especially if you are a little bit performance motivated, which I am a little bit, you know, worked hard at school, doing all that, an achiever. Um, but we do not, when we come to Jesus and say, I need you, I'm sorry, I've messed up, I need you in my life, that is all we have to do. The rest is done by him. And I, um, I always think of the prodigal son story, and I don't know if anybody else here feels sorry, sorry for the elder son. I always do feel so sorry for him because there's a bit of me in him, performance-based, but I've done this and that's not fair. And well, It's missing the point um, because the older son, he did not have the mentality of a son. He had the mentality of a servant. And we too can think we need to earn God's favour, that we have to justify our place in his family. Don't we? It just creeps in. Even if we know that's not true, it just creeps in, which does for me so, so often. And we have to remind ourselves of this truth. 
I just, how do we overcome this? So I just want to read Romans 8, good, good old scripture. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Oh, wrong bit, sorry. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So it's a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. I can't work it out in my head. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. Galatians 4, 4 to 7 is similar. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent his spirit into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Work of the spirit. And just, I found this quite helpful. I read this image. If you think of a court scene, I like a John Grisham novel, a good old court. So, oh, and you can imagine on the telly, you see these court scenes, do you? So if you imagine a court scene and you're in the dock and you are having to um, give evidence that you are a child of God. Okay. And Satan is there, he's that horrible prosecutor just throwing one thing after, yeah, but you do this and you do this and look how you treated that person. You think you can do that? Well, you know, all of the lies that he throws at us, you're not worth it, da, 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 da. And then um, the Holy Spirit is the witness, emotional here, the Holy Spirit is the witness who stands up and backs us up and says, this is a child of God. Um, get your hands off him. Stop saying what you're saying. This is a child of God. It's the Holy Spirit within us that causes us to cry, Abba, Father. So when we doubt it, we need to say, Holy Spirit, just fill me again, remind me again of what it is to be a child of God. That Holy Spirit brings us freedom, freedom from guilt, freedom from sin's hold on our lives, freedom from Satan's hold on our lives, freedom from the law, freedom from anxiety, so we can live in the fullness of all that it means to be a child of God through the witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want that, don't you? Yeah. So ne nearly there. <laughs> but um, so we've said, you know, when we're born into the family or adopted into God's family, it is not dependent on us at all. I hope you've realized that. But we know that within a family, there are certain characteristics and traits that happen. Um, so certainly, you know, people will say, oh, you laugh just like your mum to me, you know, or you've got your mum's smile or that kind of thing. But also, that, so there's the nature bit, there's also the nurture, isn't it? So equally, people will say, oh, Ellie, doesn't Ellie look like Ash? Or, and, and we found that Ellie and I will, will say things at the same time. You know, we're starting to think the same way, bless her heart. 
we, we've got the same way of thinking. So we learn those behaviours as well as inheriting those behaviours. And it's the same in God's family. Some traits are inherited, some are copied and learned. Um, when we're born into his family, we inherit in our DNA certain characteristics. His blood runs through our veins, we sang. And um, I didn't know this. I thought this was quite interesting. John talks a lot about this in his letters. Paul talk, talks a lot about the traits that come by being adopted. So John is talking very much about being born and the things that come. And Paul, the adopted things, which we'll look at in a second. So just there's too much to go into, but just a couple of things that John talks about. 1 John 3 verse 9. He says, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. In other words, we, as we all know, we do sin. But it doesn't mean that. It means our relationship with sin has changed. We know what's right and what's wrong. And when we sin, we come back to God in repentance. And that's because we've been born of God, that our relationship to sin has changed. And in 1 John 4, 7, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Our relationship to each other changes. We love each other. And that's a hallmark of being born of God, of being a child of God. That's why, um, by this shall all men know you are my disciples, because you've got love for one another so important. But also, as in the nurture of children, when we're adopted into God's family, we start to see changes in our behavior because we're in a new environment with a new father. So some things don't change straight away, but they come as we walk with God. And Paul talks a lot about this. In Ephesians 5.1, he tells us to be imitators of God and in five, Ephesians 5, 8, to walk in the light and not in darkness. So when people observe our lives, they should be able to see the character of God in us. As his children, his image has begun, it's not complete, but he, it has begun to be restored in us. We are a work in progress, hallelujah, day by day, as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us, we grow up to become more like our Father. And that's, I just read, this is the bit I read by mistake before, Romans 8, 12 to 14. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Or if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if we're children of God, we're walking with the Spirit becoming more like Jesus and reflecting that to those around us. There we go. Uh, where am I? I'm nearly there. Good. And I just want, to, uh, this is a whole other preach and I'll, you guys can do this, but part of that is discipline. I didn't want to talk about discipline. <laughs> I don't like it. But we all know in a loving family home, if a loving family home is not a loving family home if there is not discipline in it. Um, and so God disciplines us because we are his children. 
um, Hebrews 12, 9 to 11. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the dis discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So just, just, it's hard, isn't it? It is hard. But just remembering that we're going through that hard times, God is using it for, his, for as my brother-in-law always says, for our good and for his glory. Um, and it's remembering that when we're in the midst of those difficult times. And just lastly, I just wanted to talk about family life. Again, another preach. But when we are born into the family of God, we become part of a very big family, a huge family. And this is the family here in Hereford, in Lempster, in Hereford City, across the churches, in the nation, across the nations, in Brazil, South Africa, you know, we're part of a big family um, that we are born into. And that is exciting, I think. A huge diversity of people, different nations, different languages, but all part of the family of God, all brothers and sisters. What a tremendous privilege and joy. I'm so grateful for the brothers and sisters God has given me. Bob over there is the first person to ask me round to her house when I moved to Hereford as a 21-year-old. And um, we've been friends ever since. Thank you, Bob. And all of, you know, all of those that I know you here. I just value your friendship so much. And that it's more than friendship. We're brothers and sisters, aren't we? Um, it's such a privilege. It can also be a challenge, as in any families. <laughs> you're not a challenge, Andrew. <laughs> not now you're in Ross. <laughs> no. They used to lead worship once a month, didn't you? Always brilliant. Miss them big time. But anyway, um, it can be a challenge. And just as families have fallouts, you know, sadly, we see that in the church, don't we? And yeah, it's sad. It's so sad. But we are called to be different. We are part of a very special family, which has almighty God as its father. People will see that we belong to God by our love for each other. That's why Paul says to make every effort to keep the bond of peace. It takes effort. That takes effort to work at it. So um, that's it. I just want to finish with um, just some thoughts I had. I was, I was, I looked at um, a message that Louis Biglio did on on fatherhood, and um, he's amazing, isn't he? I love him. Really good speaker. But I just want to pick up on some bits that he was talking about, and um, you know. So, when we're talking about Father God, you can't help but be influenced by your experience of your earthly father. 
And um, some of us may have grown up with brilliant fathers. Zoe has. <laughs> Hope. <laughs> but I did. I had a brilliant father. And I still have a brilliant father for whom I'm very grateful. Um, but others didn't. Um, and so some might have had fathers who weren't, just weren't there. You know, you didn't have a dad who was there. Some might have had abusive fathers. Um, some might have had, I think this is quite common, performance-based fathers that would love you if you did well. Um, some might have had just passive fathers who were there but not kind of thing, if you know what I mean. Um, perhaps mum ruled the roost a bit and dad was just in the background. Perhaps you had critical father who picked you up on everything you did wrong. Um, and that's not great, is it? It's hard. But just know that God is not just a better version of your dad or even a bigger version of your dad. He is perfect in all of his ways. He's a good, good father. He's perfect. And whether you had a good father or not, your heavenly father loves you and has a place in his heart for you. Louis Giglio calls it him, uh, how much more God? Because you know that version, it says, if, uh, if your earthly father gives you a stone, how much heart will your heavenly father give you? And God is a how much more God. That's who our heavenly father is. So I just wanted to finish just by reading Psalm 48. And it says, sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Psalm 68, sorry. Sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. That's our God. He's riding on the clouds. He's almighty. He's powerful. He's over everything. But what is he? He is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of widows. Is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. That's what God is. He is almighty God. He is incredible God. He is creator of the universe. But he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. And he sets the lonely in families. So, Lynette, I just wonder, could we sing that song again? I am a child of God. And um, just as we, we're singing, let's sing it. If you want, we can pray with each other. If you want to, whatever, I'll leave that with you guys to sort that. But, um, you know, maybe, maybe God wants to deal with fear in our lives, setting us free from that fear. Um, Maybe we need that Holy Spirit to reaffirm our place in God's family and our identity. Um, maybe you need healing from your own experience of fatherhood and you need to see a revelation of, of the perfect father that God is.